0: Thank you. Hi and welcome to the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. My name is Sebastian Richard and tonight we continue our fantastic kingdom kingdom fundamental series where we dive in deep into the kingdom of God and understanding what the kingdom of God is all about and before i get started make sure that if you haven't done so already you head on to thrivingonpurpose.com so that you can sign up to our weekly newsletter to stay up to date with all of our news and updates for this ministry uh, this also enables you to follow our ministry despite all the censorship that's going on and while you're at it make sure you check out our unique kingdom patriot and remnant arising merch jewelry apparel and mugs etc cetera, etc cetera. i'm wearing the hat right now of kingdom patriot patriot i love it uh, and if you feel led to partner with this teaching ministry or to sow a seed you can do so to go by going on our website again thrivingonpurpose.com and clicking the give button now uh, also as we are diving deep into the book if you have purchased Kingdom Fundamentals, and you absolutely love it, because I know that if you read it, you're going to love it, so if this book has impacted your life and boosted your faith and helped you to understand the Kingdom of God, make sure you go to Amazon.com and leave a shining review for it. This is one of the best ways you can uh, you can do to help this ministry. So now I have taken far too much of your time. Let's get on with tonight's teaching, which is part one, or part 5a, I should say, but it's the first part of the chapter uh, in the book titled The Misunderstood Gospel of Jesus Christ. So this is what we're going to talk about tonight, The Misunderstood Gospel of Jesus Christ. And the subtitle of this fantastic chapter that we're beginning tonight, it's going to be a two-parter. As you've noticed, the chapters in the book are quite long, so I need to teach them in two segments. So this is part 5A, and the subtitle is Rediscovering the Mission and Purpose of Jesus Christ. John Eckhart was quoted as saying, the primary reason Jesus came to earth was to inaugurate the kingdom of God. Often, we hear that the reason Jesus came to earth was to die on the cross. Jesus did come to die on the cross, But that death on the cross was for the purpose of establishing the kingdom of God. And I couldn't agree more with Brother John Eckhart on that for sure. Now in this chapter, we finally get to talk about the kingdom of God as we New Testament believers need to understand it. This is why I'm so excited about sharing this this teaching tonight Because now we're really going to start diving into more of a a discovery, an understanding of what the message of Jesus was, what he came to establish when he came to earth. See, the prior chapters were to uh, lay a solid foundation of understanding, of knowledge about what the kingdom of God is, what a kingdom is, uh, the dominion of man, all these, these good things that we looked at so far. But now we're going to start really unraveling uh, more in a practical way what this actually means for you and for me. So as we will see in this chapter, in Adam, we lost our dominion and our authority. In Jesus Christ, we got it back. At the beginning of this book or of this series of teachings, I introduced you to the words of Miles Monroe, who said, the main mission the main mission of Jesus was to establish the kingdom of God in the hearts of men. As the founder of Thriving on Purpose Ministries, I take great pleasure in discussing the importance of purpose whenever I can. And just as a parenthesis here before I continue reading from the book, Kingdom Fundamentals, I just wanna tell you guys uh, that I just released a full five-part teaching series on how to find your purpose. And that teaching series is called Lord, What Is My Purpose? And uh, it's available. You can find it on our website. Just go to thrivingonpurpose.com. There you can click and uh, click um, uh, Thriving On Purpose Academy. So there's a a place you can click that. Thriving On Purpose Academy. It's going to take you to our academy where we post our uh, master classes, our uh, long courses. And we released this uh, last week uh, Lord, what is my purpose? And this course is a such an important masterclass. It's really going to help you to clarify your reason for being here on this earth, and to identify what your what your God given purpose and assignment is. Because with a ministry name such as Thriving on Purpose, obviously. It was a long time coming. It was something that was on my heart. It was something that um, the, the name of, for the ministry came after I had found my purpose and how much, what a blessing it was when God really directed me and f- gave me the full knowledge and understanding that I was not just put on earth to accept Jesus Christ and then to evangelize. There was so much more to my reason for being here. And when I found that out, then I got really um. Uh, I was really ignited to help other people find out what their purpose is, especially the people in the body of Christ. So close parenthesis, and I will now continue my teaching uh, for the the kingdom of God under um, the misunderstood uh, gospel of Jesus Christ. So when uh, my wife Elizabeth and I named the organization Thriving on Purpose, it indicated just how much we value people and their purpose here on earth. Human beings are made in the image of God, and each individual has a specific assignment to accomplish here on earth. You have a very specific God-given mandate here on the earth, and it's for such a time as this. Now, the definition of purpose is the following. The reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. You dear friend, are not here by mistake. You were not created and put on this earth at this time under those circumstances by happenstance. God has singled you out for a specific task that, believe it or not, only you can accomplish at this time in history. You have a specific purpose and kingdom mandate to fulfill. Now, when I heard this for the first time, I was, believe it or not, 40 years old. It changed my whole life and perspective. And I had been a born-again believer for 30 years. Yes, you read that right. I hope that's not your case, but that was mine. Isn't that sad? So until then, I thought my sole purpose, once saved, was to evangelize. I failed to see the big picture for my own life. I failed to understand my specific assignment here and now on the earth. I was under the brainwash of religious thinking, and it greatly handicapped my life. It also made me, believe it or not, very depressed and miserable. You see, until then, I had been taught the religious fallacy that God made me for heaven. I believed that I was put on earth for the purpose of going to heaven. I had a bad case of wanting to retire in heaven on Sunday Isle. I was so heavily minded that I was of no earthly good. And when I evangelized, I taught others the same doctrine. Now, I am thankful that God has done a makeover on my understanding and my mindset, I now believe the greatest tragedy in life is someone who lives his whole life and then dies without ever knowing what their true purpose here on earth was. I believe this to be a great tragedy because of the crucial importance purpose holds in people's uh, people's hearts. People who know God and their specific purpose, you will notice, are the ones who are the light of the world. The others, unfortunately, seem to live in darkness and offer only a spark. Sadly, many spend 75 plus years here on earth, and all they ever did was exist. They were living, but never truly alive. As the saying goes, they die at 25, but they're only buried at 75 this is not the limit of god's will for you your redemption was only the beginning now as i pondered these things a question came to my mind since all humans have a very specific purpose for being born what was the specific purpose of jesus now we know that god sent his son in the fullness of time as we saw in the previous chapter. So the timing of his coming was perfectly aligned with the will of the Father, mankind's place in history, and everything set in place at that time. Was Jesus's purpose to die on the cross as I was taught all these years? While Christ did refer to his impending death as the purpose for this particular hour, as stated in John chapter 12, verse 27, it was just the tip of the iceberg concerning his whole purpose. And I'm talking about purpose with a capital P here. And we're gonna talk about the purpose of Jesus. So here's a good question. What exactly was the purpose of Jesus? Unlike many of us here on the earth, Jesus knew his purpose from the very beginning. He wasn't confused about it. Remember when Mary and Joseph lost their 12-year-old son in Jerusalem? Despite his young age, in Luke chapter 2, verses 46 to 50, we read this. Now, so it was that after three days, imagine that, losing your 12-year-old for three days, they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Isn't that fascinating? They did not understand. So even at that young age, Jesus knew his unique assignment. But the purpose of Jesus was further defined by himself when he had come of age and began his ministry around the age of 30 years old. As an interesting side note, you may not know why Jesus' ministry began only at age 30. There was a reason. The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is our high priest. And according to the Old Testament, priests were to begin serving in the temple when they were 30 years old. That is found in 1 Chronicles 23 verses 2 through 5 numbers. Chapter 4 verses 1 to 1 through 3, 21 through 23 and 29 through 30. That is why Christ began his ministry at 30 and not before. It was just like the rest of his life to fulfill the scriptures. So Jesus began his ministry by being first baptized by John, confirmed by God in public and filled with the Holy Spirit when it descended on him like a dove. He then went off into the desert where he was tempted by Satan and won that battle. So right from the get-go, he succeeded where Adam had failed. This was a major turning point and it established him. And then he began his work. So, now let's talk about the work of Jesus. He began his work, like all great endeavors, by first publicly stating his mission statement. As most entrepreneurs know, a mission statement is defined as a formal summary of the aims and values of a company, organization, or individual. So, what was the formal summary? of the aims and values of Jesus. The first official words preached by Jesus in public as recorded in Matthew 4, 17 are, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. From that time on, other versions say, from then on. This is to mean from this moment and habitually after that. So from there, Jesus's message was mostly about the kingdom of God. All throughout the Gospels, the kingdom was the main message of Jesus. He would say, the kingdom of God is like or to what shall I compare the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of God is, and so on and so forth. The gospels are saturated with kingdom talk from Yahushua. Now, check this out. In the King James Version Bible, the kingdom of God appears 15 times in Mark. It appears 31 times in Luke. The kingdom of God appears twice in the Gospel of John. The kingdom of God appears seven times in the Acts. The kingdom of God appears eight times in the rest of the New Testament. Now you may ask, what about the Gospel of Matthew? Well, instead of kingdom of God, Matthew used the term kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven appears a whopping 32 times in Matthew. Matthew chose to use the term kingdom of heaven rather than kingdom of God in order to avoid offending his target audience, who were mostly Hebrews. They have long preferred not to name or to use the name of God. They did so to avoid breaking the third commandment, which says, Thou shalt not take take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. So it is evident from the gospel that Jesus's main teaching and mission was to proclaim this good news of the kingdom. In fact, he said it himself. In Luke chapter 4, verses 42 to 44, we read this. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. In the New American Standard Version, it reads this way. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So Jesus said himself that he was sent to preach the kingdom of God. In his own words, this was his purpose. Also, at the beginning of his ministry, we read in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Keep this in mind. The good news is the translation of the word gospel. So now let's talk about the gospel according to Jesus. um, H.G. Wells said this, The doctrine of the kingdom of heaven, which was the main teaching of Jesus, is certainly one of the most revolutionary doctrines that ever stirred and changed human thought. H.G. Wells recognized that this was the main teaching of Jesus. Now, the gospel means, as I mentioned earlier, good news. The gospel that Jesus taught seemed more closely linked to the kingdom of God than his sacrificial death, which is where the buck stops for many evangelicals. In fact, when reading the gospels, the good news is clearly the fact that The kingdom of God has come near. This was the good news or the gospel then. And guess what? It still is. But before we investigate more of what the good news means, let's correct a few things first. Now, in religion, we were mostly taught a part of the good news or some good news. But we were not taught the good news of the kingdom. We were mostly taught that the good news was about God forgiving our sins once we believe in Jesus. In fact, we were taught that this is the good news. Forgiveness of sins through Jesus and going to heaven when we die. This, dear friend, is the gospel of salvation, but not the gospel of the kingdom. While it is good news for sure, it is not the good news of the kingdom. While the gospel of salvation is indeed good news, it is not the full gospel or the full good news. So then, what did Jesus really teach? Jesus simply taught this. The kingdom of God has come to earth. Let all who will repent, enter in, and partake of its grace, majesty, and power. The kingdom of God coming back to earth in the hearts of men and with full spiritual authority is the good news. Jesus came to restore that which was lost in Adam. Dominion and and authority were lost in Adam. Now, let's talk about the gospel versus the full gospel. Back in the 70s and 80s, there was a term used for churches that believed in tongues, miracles, healings, and casting out of demons. Aside from familiar labels like Charismatic, Pentecostals, or Assemblies of God, these were also called full gospel churches. According to Wikipedia, the term full gospel refers to Romans chapter 15, verses 18 and 19, where Paul says, "...to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about into Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Paul says here that the gospel he preached came with words and deeds. He says it was accompanied by many signs and wonders, so that he fully preached the gospel or good news of Christ. The term so that here means in order to, implying that the full gospel would not have been preached without these signs and wonders. This means that if he had preached in word only, the gospel message would have been short changed. In many churches and denominations, Uh, Many, I mean, many churches and denominations have embraced an incomplete version of the gospel that is limited to the message of salvation. It is taught in word only. Therefore, their message often lacks the signs, wonders, and power that confirms its vital truth. Changing Kingdoms. I want to talk about that now. Changing kingdoms. When we talk of conversion, we often say a man must be born again. Now, this is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 3, where Jesus says to Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The term Born again is adapted from the Greek word anoten, which means from above. In order to be admitted into the kingdom, we must be born from above. I'm just going to have a sip of water here. So we know, you and I, we know this that we acquire citizenship of a country by birth. For example, I was born in Canada, therefore I am a Canadian citizen. If someone is born in China, he is Chinese by birth, a Chinese citizen. The invitation to be born again is an invitation to acquire new imperishable citizenship from the kingdom of heaven by being born into it or being born again. Not in the flesh, but in the spirit. When a man or woman receives salvation, he moves from being under the rulership of the kingdom of this world, which is basically Satan's authority, rules, and laws, to being under the jurisdiction and laws of God's kingdom. He now has a new citizenship with new rights and privileges stemming from a different kingdom and from a different ruler, God as king. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, Paul tells us, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. And Peter also makes a point of our new kingdom identity when he says in 1 Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This means that everyone in the kingdom of God has dual citizenship. We are all citizens of our own earthly country. But most importantly, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. Now, I want to talk about how the church got sidetracked. How the church got sidetracked from this gospel of the kingdom. You see, the gospel of salvation that the church has been focused on for the most part of its history While a very good and needed thing should never have replaced the gospel of the kingdom Jesus charged his disciples to preach, even after he rose again. And that is found in Acts 1.3. Someone once said that the best foundation for deception is truth. The devil is the father of lies. He knows this fact all too well. Throughout history, Satan has kept the church sidetracked with many truths and many, believe it or not, many good things. He even made us teach these good things as if it were the full gospel itself. These good things are all an intrinsic part of what we are told is the gospel today. So we're talking about, what What good things are we talking about? Well, the cross and the atonement, evangelism through the Great Commission, being born again, eternal life, and going to heaven when we die. You see, these are all part of our evangelical message. And for sure, there is no denying that all of these are all good and biblical things. No one can argue the importance of these foundational truths. But the one thing Satan wanted to make sure that we wouldn't preach is this. The restoration of God's kingdom on the earth, also known as the good news of the kingdom of God in the hearts of man. And the power of authority, and restored dominion that comes with that. He never wanted this message to go out, and he did his best to prevent it from going out. It was in his best interest that he led us away from the kingdom's full message. You see, the devil will get you talking about heaven until you were out of breath. But what he really doesn't want you talking about is the kingdom of God and its power here and now on the earth. He doesn't want believers to know of their authority and power here and now on earth. He doesn't want them to know about the full restoration of their dominion. Let's now look at the Great Commission sayings of Jesus. Most of us are familiar with those passages, and especially the one in Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20. Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we're familiar with this passage in Matthew, but let's look at another Great Commission passage. Let's look at the one in Mark 16, 15, which says, He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news, to all creation. Interesting. And Matthew 24, 14, in that particular passage, Jesus says this, And this gospel of the kingdom, oh, and this gospel of the what? Of salvation? No, no, no. He said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So it is clear from these that the gospel of the kingdom of God is to be spread upon the whole earth. As a side note, it seems to me a scary prospect that since the church isn't busy preaching the actual good news of the kingdom, we might thus be postponing his second coming. Think about that for a second. Furthermore, Satan relishes in this because as long as we don't preach the gospel of the kingdom to the whole world, it buys him more time. Remember what we read about the devil, right? He come he came down here knowing his time was short. So when you don't have much time, what do you like to do? You like to prolong things, right? So if he derailed us into teaching the gospel of salvation only and not the gospel of the kingdom, Guess what? It buys him more time because Jesus said the end would come only when the gospel of the kingdom would be preached throughout the earth. Now, the late Dr. Miles Monroe said this in his excellent book, Rediscovering the Kingdom. He said this, We have gotten so sidetracked on secondary and peripheral issues. It seems that the message of the kingdom has all but disappeared. There is no doubt that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that we might be forgiven of our sins and find eternal life in him. There is also no doubt that we need to tell people that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that he is the only way to eternal life. All of this is part of the message of the kingdom, but it is not all of the message. The cross of Christ is the beginning point of life in the kingdom of God, not the ending point. There is no ending point because life in the kingdom has no end. And then he added this. Miles Monroe had added this. Our problem is that we spend so much time telling people how to get into into the kingdom that we rarely teach them what to do once they get inside. Often we don't know ourselves because no one has ever taught us either. We spend so much time preaching about the door, Jesus, the cross, and repentance, that we forget all about the palace inside. This reminds me of a saying I once heard, which said, and I'm going to leave you this week with this powerful saying. <laughs> this is a kind of a shocker, but I, I love this. When I heard this the first time, I went like, whoa! <laughs> so I'm going to leave you on a, whoa! note okay so the saying I once I once heard was this Christianity is the best religion in the world what a shame that is ne- that it has never been truly practiced yeah Christianity is the best religion in the world what a shame that it has never been truly practiced we're trying to get back on track We really are. And I have seen in the last few years, maybe it's because I've been focusing on the kingdom so much. I have seen a a resurgence, I should say, of kingdom teachings, of preaching of the full gospel. But I still feel that we are so far from teaching the full gospel still in so many denominations, in so many places on the earth. It's not the full gospel that is preached. So this concludes part five a of the misunderstood gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, if this has blessed you, and and I'm sure it has, because this is this is really good message and it needs to be uh, preached and shared. Uh, I hope that if that if this has blessed you, you will make it your duty to share it. Uh, and also that if this message has engaged you and stirred you into knowing more about the kingdom of god i hope it will uh, encourage you to buy your, a copy of kingdom fundamentals whether in um ebook format on amazon or uh, get the paperback or there's even a hardback version that some people prefer i know i um, as for myself i i kind of like buying hardback books because uh, they they're more durable and it's always kind of nice in a library to have hardback. Uh, I'm a book lover, so I like the hardbacks, but they're more expensive. So a lot of people like eBooks these days, they like paperbacks, whatever. Uh, I hope it encourages to do so. And if you have already, as I said earlier in the broadcast, if you have already bought kingdom fundamentals and you've read it and you don't have to read the whole book, if it's, if you read the first three chapters and you're like, wow, this is blowing my mind. I love this book. Well, guess what? Just go on amazon.com and drop a five-star review on it. It's going to, be the best thing you can do to encourage this ministry and to spread to do your part to spread the message of the gospel of the kingdom of God which needs to be spread in this day and age which I believe are we are living um, in the end times that's what I believe so uh, I hope that uh, you have a great week I will see you for part 5B next time as we continue diving deeper into this fantastic chapter titled The Misunderstood Gospel of Jesus Christ. Be blessed and thrive on.